Welcome to a special edition of Inside the Sports Car Paddock from a very special paddock. I'm here at Suzuka Raceway in Japan for the Suzuka 10 Hours, round four of SRO's Intercontinental GT Challenge, de facto GT3 World Championship. A 10-hour race to start in just a few minutes after I've recorded this. Um, we, as always, are here with thanks to Cooper Tyres, with thanks to the Justice Brothers, but with particular thanks for this race to Audi Sport Customer Racing, who supported me to make my way from the UK for this great race. In recognition of that, is a special show uh, featuring the Audi efforts in a number of ways and with a number of people to talk about a number of things. Chris Renke will talk about uh, Audi Sport Customer Racing's products, the new GT2 car that uh, just launched in North America just a few days ago. Uh, Marshall Pro, of course, with uh, in-car audio of that, uh, that car with uh, Tom Christensen at the wheel. Chris also talking about the other products and more products to come from Audi. Uh, we get to talk to the drivers, of course, Marcus Finkelhock, about the iterations, the uh, evolution, if you like, of the Audi uh, R8 LMS GT3 concept. Uh, we get to talk to about Christopher Haza and about the, uh, well, the life of a factory driver in the GT3 era. And we talk to Kelvin van der Linde, uh, South African star, looking forward to the final round of the Intercontinental GT Challenge at his home race. Uh, the first time we've seen international sports car racing uh, in his home country, South Africa, uh, in November. And we get to have a conversation with Team WRT's sporting director uh, here, Pierre Dudonnet, 72 years young, the 1976 European Touring Car Champion. Pierre shares a few thoughts about how things have changed in the 50 years that he's been involved in the sport. He's a remarkable man. Hope you enjoy it. I enjoyed making it. We'll speak to you soon. The IGTC, one of the headlines of the Intercontinental GT Challenge is the involvement of just so many uh, manufacturers, customer sport departments. Audi have been in the thick of that from the very start. Representation on all the big grids uh, when these were standalone races and now, of course, the main challenge. Chris Renke with me now, uh, the head of Audi Sport Customer Racing. Chris, this, this does seem to be the the scene of quite a lot of success for your part of the Audi empire well uh, for sure for Audi Sport customer racing it has been tremendous success for so far the story of Intercontinental GT Challenge uh, and we do everything that that story of success does continue um, we have been obviously uh, the last years going home with a trophy um, at the moment um, we, it, we focus on catching up to the leaders but we have two races to go this place Suka very special place in motorsports and it was great to see uh, just what half an hour ago a great example of a manufacturer activating in a racetrack it's not something we've we've seen too much of in very many international championships but you're you're here um, banging the drum almost literally for uh, Audi in Japan launching two new road going models for them uh, here in the uh, the, the home marketplace um, but with the um, teams also being introduced to what I hope are going to be some new fans for the motorsport side of things. Well, absolutely. For us, uh, Audi Japan has always been very active using the platform of motorsport. If it has been back in the WEC days, where they all, always activated when we came into the country, and now they use us here uh, in the Intercontinental GT Challenge. They also support the Super GT all year round, uh, but especially activate when we come to town uh, here into Suzuka. And as you said, it was a very positive 
example that they choose this venue to launch the new Audi RS5 Sportback uh, for the Japanese market, the new R8 and even a special model, the R8 Decennium. So uh, to launch all of that here at uh, 10 hours of Suzuka has been a privilege for us uh, because it's a great support. It wouldn't be a kind of customer-facing event if the head of customer racing didn't actually put his own plug in for a brand new product. And you did that uh, rather neatly, I thought. Now a four-car family in Audi Sport uh, customer racing with the TCR car, uh, a huge sales success for you guys. Similarly, the GT4 car, the R8 LMS, but now, uh, as I know very personally, the, the GT2 car, new to the marketplace. Marshall Pruitt saw that uh, in action. I think we had cameras aboard the car with Tom Christensen at uh, Laguna Seca just last week. Um, tell us a little bit about the reception for that car, and if you can, tell us about the level of interest you've seen so far in GT2. Well, the level of success, the level of attention was overwhelming for us. Uh, already uh, when we did the worldwide launch at the Festival of Speed in Goodwood, uh, we got so much positive feedback. People were excited in general uh, about the interpretation of the R8 that we did there. Um, but then in particular uh, that we had the guts and um, took it onto GT2 level. Um, so that has been very exciting, seeing it running up the hill, also there in the hands of Tom Christensen, um, with its its sound momentum, you know, uh, was for sure exciting. Uh, and I think we still live, live out of a lot of good coverage, a lot of good pictures that we got from there. Now we had the possibility to take it to the Monterey Car Week, uh, to California, to give it uh, a U.S. launch last weekend. Uh, and the story continued there. I think at the Quail we had the possibility to approach a lot of collectors, uh, supercar enthusiasts. Um, uh, next day, it's a reunion at Laguna Seca. Uh, Tom took it through to Corkscrew and gave a couple of journalists a ride uh, and for sure a lifetime experience. And it was uh, also there sensational to see it um, with its sound uh, to take its lap around that um, Yeah track of Laguna and then we even um, have been knighted by having the allowance to take it onto the lawn to Pebble Beach and we're part of the prototype lawn which doesn't happen that often to a race car and uh, we were proud of that. It's going well. Um, we now know from the press conference that Stefan Rattel gave at the Spa 24 hours a little bit more of the structure that we're going to see for GT2 racing with sports club being uh, rolled out not just in Europe but also in North America and in Asia. Um, that's, I would presume, where you're expecting, in terms of the racing part of things, a major customer base to emerge. Might we see it somewhere else? Might there be even a one-make future for this car? Well, when we initiated the this program we thought about club racing we thought about resort racing we thought yeah uh, usage without competition um, then when Stefan came up with a formula which he announced in Spa obviously we were privileged that that comes now on top of that business and uh, we are very much looking forward at the moment the customers who are in contact with us I would say 80% are really uh, want to use equipment for their own joy for their own experience out on the track and have just the ultimate Audi tracker accessible um, and then I think the icing on the cake will be those that go into competition and uh, pick up on the offers of uh, the SRO to run it either in Europe, US or maybe even out here in Asia um, 
401 makes zero, I don't see a reason. I mean, it's uh, it's great for us that, that Porsche is out there, that we will uh, join him in competition racing. Uh, Stefan said there are more manufacturers uh, due to announce, uh, so we're happy to run against some, that competition. Um, and, and I would leave it from the Audi Sport customer racing perspective with that. Where do you see the growth coming next for uh, for your product range? You've, you've sold lots of cars and very quickly with just about everything you've launched in the time that you've been at the head of this organisation. Have we peaked yet with GT racing in particular? TCR racing is still growing as well. Have we peaked? Is there more growth available in this marketplace? I absolutely believe in that. I believe our society is desperate for experiential uh, themes. Um, they want to have, yeah, the track experience, especially uh, the stuff that we miss out on the roads because we are stuck on highways. We have to discuss electric, autonomous, commute, whatever. Uh, and when we left the combustion era out uh, on the track. So for me, I'm absolutely persuaded there's more to go. Uh, I always said, as long as I'm at Audi Sport Customer Racing, uh, I promise a product a year. Uh, I think we had a good a good surprise with a R8 LMS GT2 and I'm looking forward uh, to launch another surprise next year you know I'm going to ask the question aren't you are you going to give us any hints at all yeah, obviously not otherwise it wouldn't <laughs> be a surprise but uh, to be honest that, that's not what it's about uh, for us it's uh, we have at the moment a huge momentum in this area of re- racing uh, we are ready um, to approach that we are ready uh, to increase our volume output at Audi Sport Customer Racing and we have a great job of doing it because uh, it's exactly what our customers are desperate for and uh, if you get to see that many happy faces it just keeps you going and makes you desperate for more. We know the uh, the automotive industry is moving rapidly in a particular direction. I think you you use the word experiential for your part of the, the market if you like. That's still at the moment very much more traditional technology and actually a more traditional way of motorsport dealing with that technology. Small teams of of people, engineers, developing cutting-edge vehicles. How long is it going to be, do you think, before customer racing across the board, not just Audi but everywhere, has to start to see the opportunities that lie with the direction that the core companies are going in? I think the the two main driving factors for us are emotions and budgets. Uh, and at the moment, I don't see that the emotions are with electric drive, as they make sense. Those are rational decisions. Um, there is a growth in that market for sure, and I don't. But I don't see it as a emotional reasons to, to take a decision to buy uh, into a customer racing product. The second driving thing is a budget, and at the moment, to operate an electric vehicle on performance level. Uh, takes first a lot of budget for the product itself but then also to operate because a classic team uh, can run a combustion engine but cannot run a high voltage uh, car Um, not to talk about the initiative investment costs that such vehicle would demand at the moment so when the moment is right I'm sure we will be there but uh, at the moment i got to say the costs have to come down. The acceptations of society have to go up. Uh, and then at one point, you know, the emotions will swing around and I guess acceleration uh, will overcome 
the miss of combustion noise. Final question is a personal one for you, really. Now, you've been with the Audi Sport family for some time now, uh, operating at the very highest levels of international motorsport. We're now at a different era, another golden era, actually, with customer racing and these GT cars providing the entertainment right across the planet with names and brands that everybody can actually recognise. Do you feel the same amount of passion and of pride when you bring one of those trophies back to Neuburg and put it in that astonishing display? Absolutely. Absolutely. Everything has its times, and it was great times to be part of the Le Mans paddock for many, many years. Uh, now it's at least as exciting to run customer racing, and at the end it's it's all about racing. And when we go out on the weekends... Um, it doesn't matter if we celebrate it with, with champagne at the Lazard or, or with Kolsch with in the Eiffel, the Nürburgring win. Uh, we go out to have the Red Rumbos fly uh, off the podium. And as long as we can achieve that, we're as happy as we can be. I've been lucky enough to join you for your Night of Champions at the end of the season for a number of years. What's the one? What's the missing link for you, Chris Venke, that you'd like to actually announce and have the audience applaud at the end of a given year? If it happens this year or next year, which is the one you'd like to bring home? For us, I believe it's bringing home one of the big two. It's a a sensational trophy of the Intercontinental GT Challenge, uh, or it is kind of our major home race in Ubergring. And if we tick one of those boxes, it's a great year for us. We ticked one this year. So we're looking forward to a good party then. (laughs) (laughs) Chris Renke, thank you as always for your time and what's a very, very busy weekend. (laughs) Thank you. Well, it's the turn of Marcus Winkelhock uh, to talk to us a little bit about the Audi customer racing family. But, uh, Marcus, what I wanted to do, just take a few minutes with you about was the the evolution of the Audi R8 LMS family. We're now in, what, the third, the fourth uh, iteration of this fantastic car that's won just about everything there is to win in GT3 racing down through the years. Um, these things developed initially as a... Uh, a car that encourages pro-am racing but we've seen some amazing performances out of pro drivers like yourself and like your Audi sport customer racing colleagues just where have we seen the advances in terms of making these cars easier to drive perhaps for the gentleman drivers and actually more challenging to get the real performance out of from a top pro like yourself um, yeah, the cars got, uh, let's say, more easy to drive because, like, the, the ABS and, and uh, traction control systems, they got better and better year by year. I remember when I drove the first time uh, with an R8, uh, it was 2010. I did the Nordschleife 24-hour race, and for sure the car was more difficult to drive at this time. Um, and the performance thing was something completely different like we have now and for sure the the car is uh, you know we have 10 years of custom racing this year um, and for sure we did a massive step in the last 10 years uh, developing that car um, and it's definitely what the name already says customer racing so and it's for sure much easier much better to drive for the customers uh, since the 2009 there is a massive step um, but it makes it for sure also uh, for sure on one, on one point you, it's the same for everyone but uh, 
the customers are getting closer and closer to, to the professional race drivers because they, they can brake very late with a, with a good ABS system. They can go early in power with good traction control system. So it makes actually the life of the bros even more difficult uh, to be still faster than the, than the bros, uh, than, the, than the amps. Um, at the end, we are still fast, obviously, but um, uh, what I want you to say is like the gap between uh, is getting closer and uh, closer yeah, because it's um, more customer-friendly, the car, yeah. And despite the fact we're in a balanced performance formula, because that, of course, reels in the cars, despite the fact that it is that compromise between what you need for a, a, a less professional driver and the top race like yourself, the lap times keep coming, the, the performance keeps coming, the records keep falling. They do look exciting cars to wrestle around the Nordschleifer Spa here at Suzuka. Absolutely. Um I remember when I, I just said before I did the first time uh, 2010 in a, in a GT3 R8 uh, and I was just coming out of uh, or at this year I was still racing in DTM and there was a big step between a DTM and GT3 car and I think the the performance we have now with the GT3 is uh, actually uh, it's a long time ago but it feels like more or less the same like DTM 10 years ago uh, the car is really really nice to drive we have much more aero uh, the car is much better balanced and, and uh, it's it's like let's say a high sophisticated sophisticated race car compared to 10 years ago and no it's 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 really nice to drive I love GT3 that's why I'm doing it we have uh, many nice races all over the world and uh, I think uh, as I said before, we have we have, we have ten years of uh, Audi Sport customer racing, and 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 we proved that we were successful uh, in in any races, uh, no matter we won, let's say the biggest races all over the world, the twenty four hours Nurburgring, twenty four hours Spa, uh, Daytona, Bathurst. Uh, th- there are many more races we 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 won all over the world, and uh, I think that shows how uh, competitive we were, we were the last uh, ten years. Again, GT3, um, it's it's such a huge marketplace now. There are so many of these big events, as well as a huge number of smaller events. Is this something you can still get excited by when you come here to these great circuits, to Suzuka, Kalami next, and and then you know onwards next year to uh, you know the, another calendar with the same races back again? Bathurst, you mentioned, you know, every time people mention that word, a smile just automatically appears, Daytona. You still get excited about the day job? Absolutely, yeah. I think this is uh, one of the reasons why I'm doing GT3. Uh, we are racing on so many different places and really nice racetracks, best racetracks, racetracks actually all over the world. And uh, um, this is what it makes it really exciting. And, and uh, uh, many, many race drivers... Uh, Actually, when we are talking, like they are, they're like, ah, it's so cool. Actually, it must be so cool to race in so many different uh, cool racetracks. And uh, absolutely, I love it. I've driven, for example, Bathurst. For example, I, I'm driving there since 2014 every year, and I'm every year I'm excited to to jump in the plane and and go over to Australia and 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 do this race. And this is the same with I don't know Daytona, Nürburgring, Spa, 24 hours, and now coming here to Suzuka. And also Kailami is, uh, I never have been there. Uh, my father raced there already uh, in Formula One in the 80s. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to go there. And uh, no, this is, I'm I still ex- uh, excited and I still uh, love it to go to racing. 
We talk a lot about golden eras in motorsport. It sort of feels like we're in the middle of one and maybe not realising it right now with, with GT3. You come from, you mentioned already, you know, a family with huge heritage in motorsport, with huge heritage at the highest levels of motorsport. Where are we at the moment in that kind of... Uh, when we look at the field here with 36 cars and some of these guys and the other factory teams, this is pretty high-level stuff. Absolutely. This is absolutely highest level. Uh, of GT racing uh, it's not a world championship but I think it has the, the level of, of, of a world championship in, but it's like in, in all categories like if, if you take the Blanc Port championship if you take the ADSC GT Masters championship races like here um, and they're sometimes coming really uh, different race drivers from like, let's say for example DTM and, and they are also struggling you know, it's not like that a DTM driver is, is, is coming to 24 hours of Spa and, and, uh, and dominating. No, exactly. You know, and, and uh, that shows that the, the GT field and the GT drivers they are uh, also very fast. Maybe it's called it's a level below, for example, DTM GT racing. But uh, I think that the level we are racing uh, is is the same. I think. So two maybe the lap, no, yep. maybe lap time wise we are a little bit slower than a DTM car, but. Uh, it has nothing to do with the performance and, uh, and, the, and the level of racing, I think. Two exciting races to come, and by the time this is a hearing this, the Suzuka 10 hours will be done for the year, and we don't yet know who's going to win, but we do know the Audi's on the pace. And then another big race, a revival of a race down in South Africa with your teammate Kelvin van der Linde uh, at Kialami. Um, that's got to be something everybody's looking forward to. Me for sure. I think everybody else. Uh, I think most of the drivers they haven't been racing there, um, and so I think it's something new for everyone. And uh, yeah, I think especially for Kelvin, it must be great uh, to do his home race uh, in front of his, uh, let's say, house. Almost, he said he lives like five five minutes away from the racetrack. Uh, Party at Kelvin's place then. Yeah. I think. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, no, it must be a cool feeling for him, but. Uh, if I talk to all the other drivers, everybody's excited to go there. So um, I'm really looking forward to be there. Me too. Marcus Winkelock, thanks for your time. Thank you very much. Well, after the Audi Japan press conference, sitting down with Christopher Haaser, just before you go out for the pole shootout, Christopher, a few questions really about what it is to be uh, a factory driver in the GT3 era the, the opportunities, the huge races now and the number of them that it gives you the opportunity to do, it's been quite a ride hasn't it? It's true I mean first of all I'm really happy to be here in Suzuka, it's always a, quite a special race and uh, a special event but yeah being a GT3 factory ride driver is something quite unique I would say um, we have like, like you said already, many cool races um, actually I would say one of the best, yeah, their best races in the world. Um, so we race all over the world. We are racing on nearly each country um, or continent in the earth, which is, uh, yeah, which feels great. Um, and we all race the same cars, let's say, at the same time, um, which makes a very, how should I say, a specific performance level which you reach at one point um, especially in this let's say um, yeah important races like Suzuka like Spa Nürburgring um, and I just enjoy to do this job at the, at the end 
you seldom seen at a racetrack without a smile and that's probably because these are cool cars and the cool places we get to see you race 24-hour races of course in Spa and Daytona the Nürburgring 12 hours in Bathurst what a fantastic race that is and now we have this new era with the IGTC bringing you to five races five different continents that's something that seems to be growing and Audi very much a force in that yeah that's true um, first of all it's because this is I think quite a high level series which um, goes around the world in one championship let's say um all the other big races which you said are single events and here we are doing let's say a whole championship on the whole world um and we have like lots of um supported factory supported cars here um extremely high level from teams from drivers from the factories um and this makes it I would say it's growing to one of the toughest championship in GT3 business which you can have yeah the um the other thing I guess about being a GT3 factory driver is you're not necessarily with the same team or with the same drivers from week to week. And that means not only are you doing the thing that we know all endurance race drivers have to do, which is to compromise across a two or three or even four-man squad, but you're going to learn, again maybe, the relationships with some of those teams and some of those drivers. Does that make it tougher? Does that make it more interesting? Well, let's say for us drivers, I mean, I, I just can speak for us, for our Audi Sport driver pool, which... Uh, I think we have a great pool, a great driver lineup. We all have like fun together, but on the other hand, we also fight together. Um, and this, I don't know, I just enjoy how we race each other, how we um, yeah, handle this in different teams, let's say. But it's true, when in, we also switch different teams in different races. Um, and there is, let's say, the challenge is just you always have to adapt to some new circumstances um, but at the end a GT3 car is um, I would say not so complicated um, for sure you have to always yeah, you need the, the right to bring the car in the right spot but um, we have great Audi teams we have a great driver lineup or let's say a driver pool and at the end if everybody focuses his job you have the chance to win Careers are about staying in good cars with good teams for a long time and winning big races at this level. You've won a lot of big races. What's still on the, the, the Christopher Haaser wish list? Which, would, which one would you really like to take on that's not there yet? Yeah, it's true. Um, I can say that I actually made a lot of hooks already on some races, but I'm definitely missing, for example, Daytona, the 24 hours of Daytona. I had a couple of chances to win it, but it always went, unfortunately, a little bit wrong at the end, uh, which is endurance racing. You've got to get that watch. Yeah, <laughs> for example. Um, and the other thing is the Bathurst 12 hours. Um, still the same there. I already had the chances to win it. But the good thing is you just have it in your mind and you keep going, you keep going, you keep trying. You want to win it. You try it each year. And at one point, maybe I have the chance to do this also. You've got to make me one promise, and that is when you've won the, the, the Daytona 24 hours, because that clearly has to come at some point in this career, there's one call you have to make, and that call is to Alan McNish, so that you can show him the watch. <laughs> yeah, Alan is my hero. <laughs> no, um, it's true. Actually, I have to say, Alan McNish is a really outstanding driver. 
Um, and he's still, even if he's not racing, it's so great to talk to him, to speak with him just about racing and how he is seeing stuff. Um, but definitely, if I get this watch, I will call him straight away. Christopher <laughs> Hauser, thank you very much indeed. Thank you. In the, uh, the Audi driver's room, uh, after qualifying, but before the shootout, but with the current, for the moment at least, lap record holder for the Suzuka 10 hours after a fantastic lap in that qualifying session from Kelvin van der Linde. Kelvin, congratulations on that. Look, the fantastic uh, lap. Let's talk a little bit about Suzuka first. This is a special place. It definitely is. It's my second time here. I've been lucky enough to come for the inaugural race last year. So great to be back, of course. Uh, new lineup, new team for me. Um, great to be with WRT. I have a lot of respect for the team and what they've done. So, yeah, it's cool to be a part of that. And uh, hopefully we can go two better from last year. I don't want to talk more about uh, Suzuka with you because I think there's an even more exciting race for you coming in the IGTC, this Intercontinental GT Challenge. It is five races, it is five com- uh, continents. The big news this year, of course, is we're going to Africa, we're going to South Africa, and it's a revival of an historic race, the Kalami Nine Hours. Yeah, fantastic. I'm super, super excited. I never thought in my career that I would actually have a home race. Uh, it came as a bit of a surprise when it was first announced, I have to say. Um, but uh, to see the reaction and the, the positive um, vibe around the event has definitely been uh, overwhelming for me. Seeing the home support behind the event um, is cool. And, uh, yeah, you know, at the end of the year, normally I go back to South Africa anyway for my usual holiday, go visit the family and that. And this year I'm going back for a race. So it's a unique feeling and uh, I would love to go and win. We don't know a lot about the, the track, but very few of us have been down there to see it since the revival of the circuit. Tell us a little bit about the facility. Tell us a little bit what uh, to expect when we get down to Carl Army later this year. Well, it's it's been a, a massive development that's gone on there. Uh, Porsche have taken over the, the property, and uh, you can see, you know, just by everything that they've done, they've really made it a, a business concept in terms of the, the driving academy. It's, it's um, you know, all their, their Porsche events are there now, uh, their club days and so on. Um, the track is at you know, as high as because I've pretty much raced on in my career so uh, in terms of asphalt and everything it's up there with some of the best uh, F1 tracks in the world um, and I think back to the level that it deserves you know it was such an iconic track back in the day uh, seen some great races in the past and to have that kind of legacy coming back now the nine hour is something that's uh, deep in the heart of, of all the endurance races and uh, something I look back fondly on you know watching some of the old videos back in the day definitely uh, gives me a, an extra beat or two um, so yeah it will be cool to be part of the history now going forward. South Africa has got a proud heritage in racing, and particularly endurance racing. Tell us a little bit about uh, the kind of local vibe around this race coming back. Well, I mean, I think what makes it unique is that we just haven't had a big uh, race there for, for quite a few years. I think the last one was probably World Superbikes, which was probably 2012. So, you know, we're looking at, a, at almost 10 years ago since we had a, a World Championship-style event. And I think Intercontinental is the perfect event to come back and, and kind of re-spark that, um, that passion that South Africans have for motorsport. We're, uh, you know, even though rugby and cricket is a, is a big part of our heritage, I think motorsport is, for, for many people, still, um, you know, a reminder of how good it was in the past and you know it brings us back to the good old days you know so um you know my father and grandfather playing a, a role in that and i'll you know um my, my younger brother and myself now coming and you know hopefully doing a good job in the inaugural race will be will be a cool one i think it'll be um well anticipated by everybody back home and uh, i just hope i can give them a great result 
just strike me there's an opportunity here for South African motorsport. It is having two flag carriers with you and your brother. Uh, we've seen this with other motorsport markets in New Zealand, with Brendan Hartley, for instance, and with Tom Christensen, and that fantastic uh, heritage that that's given that great nation in Denmark of endurance racing drivers. What do you think? Might we see another generation coming and snapping at your heels on the back of having uh, a blue ribbon event in their own, in their own country? Yeah, well, I think that's basically what um, what we need at the moment. When I first came to Europe, yeah, it's probably six years ago now, I was the only South African at that time, you know, trying to make the first steps at a European career. And now, you know, we've got quite a few. I think we've got five guys and I think four factory drivers, three or four factory drivers. So, you know, it's definitely taken a step since I made my, my first uh, strides to Europe. And uh, that's the kind of uh, influence we want to make, you know, for the young carters and the grassroots coming up. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's a proud thing for me. You know, I, I try and help as much as I can back home, giving them advice. You know, uh, we didn't go the the typical route of, of shooting for F1. I think for a South African background, you have to begin modestly. But uh, as we grow it up um, and we, we build it up slowly, you know, the sky's the limit. I think. Final question is about that that national pride aspect. A lot of your teammates have got their home races that are big races already. Marcus Wingelhock is with us here in the room. Christopher and the other Christopher both have it. Dries van Tour has that. What's it going to mean to you to actually go head-to-head with your peers from around the world on effectively your home track with the possibility of a top step of the podium? You've got a big smile on your face as I say those words. Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, I just I have to smile. It's, it's so proud for me, you know. Um, already just talking about travel arrangements stuff like that you know I just want to go show everybody my cool country you know because uh, I think a lot of people don't believe you know what what kind of a gem we have down there you know Africa is a little bit like Australia we're a little bit separated from Europe and America in terms of you know uh, we're not always seen as being um, the trendsetters but um, definitely that doesn't um, you know set us apart in terms of racing talent or from from sporting talent in general so I'm just excited to go there and you know whatever the result is I'm gonna I'm gonna enjoy it my family's gonna love it so we're going to make the most of the week for sure. Good stuff. We look forward to seeing you out there. Thanks very much, Kelvin van der Linde. Thanks for having me. Well, and what's a very noisy uh, Suzuka 10 hours paddock. A uh, huge number of fans here already. Uh, we've come to the relative calm for the briefing room with uh, Sporting Director of Audi Sport Team, WRT, Pierre Dedonne. Pierre, it's been a heck of a day so far. We're here in uh, qualifying day before we get to the shootout, but records already tumbling. Your guys uh, and the Audi boys across the, uh, the, uh, the piece are doing extremely well out there. Um, but I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the lessons from history. And, and, and for the benefit of our uh, listeners of maybe a slightly younger age than me, um, you are a multiple championship winning driver, um, multiple Spa 24 Hours winning driver, with a variety of makes. Um, tell us a little bit about some of those career highlights. I think I'm right. It's been more than 50 years since you were a European touring car champion. Yes, that's correct, because that was uh, 1976, and I, I got involved uh, as a driver in the early 70s. So the first thing I would say is that I'm very fortunate to be still to be uh, alive and uh, secondly to be still uh, active in this uh, fascinating sport. Not just active, but you know, Team WRT has been a phenomenon you know, with, since the start uh, with Vincent Voss and his partners with this and bringing in a range of very talented guys of all sorts of eras. There's been race win after race win, title after title, and still it comes. We've got a weekend now where 
you guys are very active in two very significant race meetings on two continents. Uh, the reason Van Sant's not here is because? He's at the DTM, uh, DTM race at uh, Lozitrink. Okay, so. um, you know, we're here with, a, you know, let's, let's face it, a potential race winning squad for you guys. Great looking car again with, you know, a very talented driver lineup. Let's look back, though, over those kind of 50 years. Um, should say not all of it with Audi, of course. But what lessons can you bring from what the sport has taught us over those decades to where we are now? It's a very different time in terms of uh, the way in which the business works. Certainly, I guess one of the first questions is about safety. These cars are immeasurably safer than they were. Well, fundamentally, it's a lesson of life because... uh, uh, we are in a completely different world altogether, um, not only in motorsport, but in life in, in general. So for, for the younger audience, uh, it's hard to understand or to um, realize what uh, we went through or how the sport was uh, 50 years ago. And it brings back me to my my old age, you know, when we were talking about pre-World War II uh, motorsport, and it was completely different. So today's, uh, it's just, just another world. You've got plenty of experience, not just in motorsport generally, but motorsport here in Japan for a long time, a driver with Mazda, and some real success there, some class wins in uh, Le Mans with prototypes, but also touring car wins too. Um, the technology then seemed very cutting edge, but by comparison with what you're dealing with now in the garage must seem pretty old tech now well the technology in itself uh well of course there is the there is the evolution but uh today there are a lot more restrictions because we have things like uh, bop Uh, there are a lot of things that the, the spore is much more controlled technically speaking so at uh, all times you know um motorsport was uh a really uh, a fantastic uh, inventing uh, world for for engineers and that I, I think has not changed but I think we had, the engineers had a lot more freedom yeah. uh, in the past so today is more uh, what we can do to um, to take the maximum out of uh, very restricting uh, regulations we know from all the times we come here to Japan that there is nothing quite like a Japanese crowd. The enthusiasm for the sport, the enthusiasm for the history of the sport is pretty unmatched in world motorsport here. That doesn't, I don't suppose that's changed from your days here in the 1990s with, uh, with Mazda. No, the, the, the Japanese fans have always been uh, fantastic because they come to the race. You know, we have here, over here, we have uh, very often uh, uh, typhoon and very bad weather. Sometimes the race are cancelled and they always come in, in large number, uh, whatever the conditions. So that's uh, fascinating to, to watch. We have a bit the same in America. I think the motorsport fans in, in America are much more fun than, than in Europe, except in the UK, because also the fans in the UK are a special breed. We're very mad. <laughs> yeah, correct. But uh, yeah, there, there are still those differences from one continent to the other. Tell me what you enjoy now. I mean, to keep coming and to keep doing what you do at the level you operate. You have to stay enthusiastic. What what fires you up about the sport nowadays? Well, I would say it's the, the privilege to 
still be involved and work with young people because that's that's very refreshing and uh, because they know what what I've I've been doing basically the same as they do now I mean I, I'm talking about the drivers so there is still that kind of respect you are an old nut but uh, <laughs> but you are not treated completely as an has been so this has been for me personally or it is it is uh, it is a very first challenging because it motivates me to to stay to stay on top of the game um, and uh, I must say those last 10 years because I joined WRT right at the beginning so it's uh, it's 10 years ago already 10 years ago which is it's amazing uh, yeah which is nearly a career in itself and uh, those 10 years is uh, like uh, another life for me it's, it's, it's a strange thing we, we have people now that say oh, I remember Von Son Voss when he was a driver yes, and, and, yes. Know, it's 10 years ago yeah. now and then right at the beginning of WRT because also a, a, a very important key of the success of WRT is the, uh, the partnership with, uh, with Audi and it starts with GT3 and Audi of course was winning at Le Mans but they were new to customer racing when it's, they start with DR8 so we've been growing together and uh, this relationship also is something uh, very very um, well fascinating to, to work with because it's like a family and also what I, 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 I remember from those 10 years and especially in the beginning is the, we had the, the privilege to do the 24 hours of spa with Dr. Ulrich and um, we could really feel the, the passion that, that sparks inside, uh, inside Audi Sport. And I always remember by that time, I think we, we won spa the first time with WRT. I can't remember if it was 2013 or whatever. Um, but the first time we won, uh, Dr. Ulrich was in the pit uh, for the complete 24 hours. He was, he was with us. And I could remember when the car went by and uh, crossed the checkered fly, he was crying. Of course. And you could see, yeah, yeah you could see he, he was crying. And I just find it unbelievable the, 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 the level of passion and the commitment of uh, that man. All, despite Dis all that success. Yes, despite the, the fact that he had already, already won uh, Le Mans sort of ten times. It's inspirational. It, it must be inspirational. Yes, yes, yes. That's, and the special, that's a spe special thing about motor racing. You know, you, you get that, uh, you get the passion, you get, uh, you get the thrill, you get, you get the excitement. And um, that's, that's what pushes you forward last word is about this Intercontinental GT Challenge. In many ways it's back to an old-fashioned sort of championship. It's not a world championship but it is a global challenge and clearly what they're trying to build is a championship built around huge events and that's coming. You can feel it here. Bathurst is a huge event. Spa, yeah. you will know from your long history, is a massive event. Is this working? Yes, it is working and there we have to pay respect to uh, Stefan Rattel because in his in his uh, uh, in his uh, world is is a visionary, and uh, okay he built GT3 which together is probably the most successful and and most healthy uh, motorsport category, and uh, he's still keeping building it worldwide and that's the intercontinental GT challenge what's what it's all about and getting all the manufacturers involved into those big events which are classic because uh, okay we've been to batters here we are in Suzuka this race is very famous in the middle of the Japanese summer summer 
and uh, we're going to Kialami, so he's reviving, or Kialami is reviving the Nanaos, which is also a very classic race uh, around GD3 and the uh, Intercontinental GT Challenge. So, yeah, it's, it's fantastic to see the rebirth of, uh, of uh, such uh, a global competition. The last question is this. It's one of those kind of... You've earned the right to answer this question, either as a senior member of Team WRT or just simply as a legend in your own right. Um, what's missing from WRT's trophy cabinet? What race would you like in your time with this team and with Audi Sport Customer Racing? What would you like to bring home? Well, probably the, the next one is Kialami because it's, uh, it's a month away and uh, we tick a box when we won the, the Bathurst uh, 12 hours and uh, of course Spa we've won we've won Nürburgring 24 hours so, but there are still there are so many races there. <laughs> I'm sure there are more boxes to, to tick or we will find some more in the years to come that's a proper legend that's one it's not going to commit themselves just to winning one race it's all of them Pierre Didoni thank you very much for your time this thank you to you in the Audi Sport team Itachi Yama truck with well Japanese racing legend but uh, well solidly Britain Northern Ireland man uh, Richard Lyons Richard uh, it's one spectacular event this spectacular track and you'll probably know more about this than most even the Japanese yeah well thank you first of all and um, yeah it's uh, quite an historic event this it's changed its name in the last couple of years and um, as you say Japanese racer actually I've been using a Japanese racing license for the last um, 19 years wow so even whenever I've been racing across the world uh, normally on the entry list my uh, name comes up with a Japanese flag so um, yeah I'm almost Japanese can't really speak the language that much but um, yeah uh, coming back to this event, yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. So, how many times do you reckon here? I mean, we've spoken to an awful lot of the guys from the European teams. It's their first, maybe a second time. But uh, for this event itself, um, I think it's been eighteen years. Wow. I've been doing it, but of course, it's changed uh, to the ten hours from the thousand kilometer race. But yeah, I've been doing it quite quite a few years. Now, you're one of a very exclusive club, uh, the winner of the Super GT or the Japanese uh, GT Championship and what uh, the then equivalent of the Super Formula in the same year. Very few men have done that. But you've had this long, storied and pretty well uncut kind of history in Japanese GT racing for many years now with, with Audi and here in, well, the biggest GT race of the year, I guess, um, for the international uh, group at the now Suzuka 10 hours. Tell us a little bit about being, if you like, the uh, the European who's the local in this three-car effort. Um, yeah, well, we've been very fortunate that RD have come along uh, to do this, and they've, you know, they've seen the value and. I guess the, the SRO championships that's been around the world uh, now, and it's really it's become such a big thing. But uh, as a partner, um, our team wanted to join a very strong partner, and uh, the team, the father of the the owner, um, Mikio Stutsiyama, he fell in love with the RD brand, and he wanted to bring RD to the racing circuit in Japan. That was probably now seven years ago. And that's, that's really built up, that relationship in the, the last um, seven years. And it just came to the point that actually we could uh, join forces for the Suzuka 10Rs. And 
Uh, last year was a fantastic event for us. Uh, we really enjoyed it. Uh, we were running as high as fourth. Um, I mean, whenever you're running as high as fourth, and for me, like one of my local circuits, um, but with RD Sports, RD Customer Racing, um, supporting you, um, it's a fantastic feeling. And for such a small local team as well, having the big guns behind you, um, it's great. But this year, again, it's a little bit of a, a smaller effort, so which actually helps us even more. I feel it's a much tighter sort of a family knit thing. Um, so we're expecting, we're expecting big things um, as the weekend goes. Uh, so far this weekend has been really difficult conditions but this is Japan at this time of year we normally get heavy rain we get messy weather conditions so um, I think we might get some sunshine for the rest of the weekend well maybe this is where that local knowledge kind of comes in you're absolutely right we have no dry running until the practice session we've just seen the Audis two of the Audis one two the, the pace is therefore in the car but you're the team with the local knowledge is that going to come to play? Um you know, nowadays, it isn't so much like that. Um, of course it helps, absolutely it helps. Um, but I feel that, you know, the teams are so well organised now. Um, all the drivers are in simulators, uh, engineers, they've got all uh, simulated programmes. So that nobody arrives here not prepared. Um, of course, like I, I have had uh, Marco Swinklehawk, who's one of the most experienced drivers, out there coming to me yesterday and then saying, asking me questions about the circuit but he's already been here and he's already been on the simulator but he's still picking the brain of somebody that's done thousands and thousands of laps around here so there is certain conditions that we will have a slight advantage that's say but I never underestimate the, the, the competition these days talk a little bit about GT3 in GT300 it's now pretty dominant in terms of the numerical side of things you're a man that's got a substantial number of yardsticks to judge this by. Tell us a bit about the capabilities of these cars now, uh, you know, here in 2019, compared to some of the machinery you were driving a decade, decade and a half ago. Well, now the circuit dependent, uh, the GT3 cars are probably in Super GT spec, which basically means that they have the tyre tiles. Yeah. Um, they're probably lapping around the same lap times like if Fuji Speedway were lapping the same lap times as the 500s were before um, and the 500s then were a couple of hundred kilos lighter Yeah. Um, so it's actually the aero and the tyres really really came on leaps and bounds now at Suzuka we're still a little bit behind but Suzuka is one of these circuits that the weight of the car um, really dictates the actual lap time um, but you know now um, for example even uh, the, the car life and parts life uh, for RD, or not just RD, but GT3 cars in the Japanese series, it comes down because of how high grip the, it is, but with the tyre development here, it's like five seconds lap faster than the controlled tyre, which is fantastic, but there's this tyre war going on, so it's a completely different concept and different way of racing, because every, all the focus is, is almost behind the tyre manufacturer, not the car itself um, which is it, it's fun but actually I've been really looking forward to this event 
because everybody's on the same tire yeah. and we can focus on our on our cars it sort of resets the clock it just resets it so I've been looking forward to that so that we can come and we're all on the same tire and we all got an even platform and the BOP to be fair to the SRO is actually really really good and many years ago people were complaining a lot we still do I think complain but the reality is if you look at most grids it's covered by half a second the top 20 cars so to be able to do that from a turbocharged engine to a V10 engine with one that's, you know, initially was weighing, I don't know, 1,300 to one that's 1,100 kilos, that's a big thing. So I think it's come on such a long way, um, GT3 racing, to make it so fair for all the car manufacturers. Um, but um, as you say, at the moment, RD12, let's hope we can continue that through to the end of the weekend. Let's wait and see. For now, Richard Lyons, thanks very much for your time. Thank you. Audi Sport Customer Racing's Glitterati goes to Martin Kuhl, the uh, director of Audi Sport Customer Racing here in Asia. Martin, the race is going on in the background. We can hear the cars rumbling by. Audi currently leading. Another great battle underway for another strong position from one of the other cars. This is a huge event for Audi in Asia. <clears throat> Absolutely. And it's great to see that we finally have such a internationally recognized uh, field in an Asian endurance race that really uh, uh, gives justice to the market, which has been de- developing very well over the past years. So it's, it's, it's a great event to have. Now, um, I was along at one of the press conferences that's, that's, that's featured throughout here, lots of manufacturer activation. Two models launched in one of two huge uh, hospitality setups uh, on this very floor. Uh, two models launched into Japan. Uh, the manufacturers are taking this race, this series of races, very seriously. They're blue ribboned events, and that's what they're designed to do. From your perspective, looking after the sporting ambitions of the brand, tell me what it means to actually have a hook to hang that on with uh, an international race before we get into talking about the domestic scene. Yeah, well, th- that's exactly what we what we want, that we have uh, international recognised platforms uh, with the best drivers, the best teams from all over the world where we can uh, put also our own events to it and uh, especially here in Suzuka we we'd actually do a... a a threefold activation. We have the Audi Sport headquarters with the factory entries uh, on site. Then we have um, Audi Japan with their own activities and the car launches. And then the rest of the Customer Asia program is here with the Audi Sport R8 and MS Cup, our own uh, brand cup. So uh, we use this opportunity and we are very happy that we can do this to really bring everything together from global to Asian exposure. It's very clear that you and your team are very active. I've seen your guys and yourself around in the paddocks that I've uh, inhabited around uh, around Asia. And there do seem to be an increasing number of opportunities to get cars out there and racing with the Blancpain product in Asia that's coming on strong, uh, with Asian Le Mans series, with strong domestic products in a range of markets, including Thailand and including China, of course, getting bigger and bigger, and as well as here in Japan. Um, just how good is the marketplace? We've always talked about this as being the untapped resource. It's not untapped now, is it? No, it's really, it's, it's, it's a growth market. And uh, I mean, if we maybe go back a couple of years when we started our own Asian customer racing platform, we were quite early in the market. In 2012, we had the first uh, Audi Sport i ms Cup set up for China. And then from the second year, we uh, made it Pan-Asian. Um, at that time, there was hardly uh, any prestigious regional series. Um, and if you then look back now at what happened since then, uh, 
we had our involvement, but also others. Um, and uh, you have Blom from Asia now being very successful. Uh, also, as you mentioned, Thai Super Series has been developing very, very well over the past uh, two years, I would say. Um, and, of course, China. So, yes, there's a, a huge opportunity for us to like do even more here in the market. Uh, at the same time, I think we also need to mention that it's, uh, as it always is with with new markets maybe that a lot of new things spring up a lot of new series and uh, it's maybe also time to, to settle a little bit um, that you have the the, the best ones flourish um, and uh, that drivers and teams um, can concentrate on that one of the things that shows a maturing marketplace is some of the ambition that comes from some of these teams and the bigger teams and more successful teams beginning to spread their wings. We're beginning to see some of the Asian GT3 teams uh, look a little further afield than their home market or in the continental market. That's got to be a, a real buzz for you. I can see by the smile on your face that that's, that's a source of pride. <clears throat> I think it's, I mean, I'm, I've been working in Asia f- for many years now and uh, I know that there is a lot of capability. Uh, and know-how within the Asian teams already. Um, there are very good, good Asian teams, uh, and we, we see it with various manufacturers. And uh, yeah, and they are they are driving up their ambitions to actually also show it uh, in other parts of the of the world. Um, and I think it's a good it's a good it's, it's a good development. And uh, from our side, we can only, for example, say what Absolute Racing has been doing over the past years, and also here doing here. Uh, with the uh, 10, 10 hour, uh, Suzuka 10-hour entry, um, as well as also the Chinese team TSRT, how they how they actually performing within their first Blom Per Asia season with us this year. It's, it's, it's great steps forward, and, uh, and they're all looking forward to do more. Lessons are learned whenever you walk into a new market, particularly with a new product. And I know that we've had conversations about uh, the LMS Cup and the growth of that uh, that pretty rapid growth of that then the evolution of that and the introduction into uh, competition with the GT4 car which for various pretty regional reasons didn't take off in the way that GT3 did what is the strategy for, for Cup moving forward uh, you've got a high quality entry but a rather more compact entry than we've seen you know, in, a, in a marketplace where as we've just discussed it is getting more crowded yes well actually oh. Two years ago, we, we made a decision that uh, looking at the overall development of the industry in Asia, where, the, where you have a lot of good uh, multi-OEM series, with, which are great platforms, especially also for pro drivers, that we um, changed our, uh, our own cup to a pure gentleman format uh, to give them actually a, a race where they compete against each other. I think uh, if you look at the, the race history over the last years it has shown that this has been proven very competitive for them they like it uh, we always had and uh, we have this year again going to the final in Sepang we will have uh, five guys who can actually still win the title so and they closed uh, up dramatically this weekend they closed up dramatically this weekend correct um, so uh, uh, that was our our strategy as a brand to to, to develop the cup towards the gentleman sector knowing that the pros have a lot of other things to do at the moment in Asia, which is a good thing. And uh, we are also involved there, of course, with Blomper Asia and some sort of support for the teams there. Um, uh, yes, and then we also introduced the GT4. Um, and I agree with you, GT3 definitely is still the, 
main uh, GT car that attracts Asian buyers. Um, maybe it's also because uh, it's the pinnacle of, of GT racing and a lot of people who are here who actually spend the money to do proper GT racing on, 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 on a high level, they really want to do it on the highest level and uh, uh, show what they are capable of, which is a, it's, it's a good thing. And uh, we don't yet have that um, maybe sports club or track culture uh, in, in Asia as in other parts of the world. So um, for the GT4, it's a bit of different environment. But I wouldn't actually rule out that uh, the, the sector will further grow, especially if you look at China GT. They have done a great job uh, in actually uh, not only building but also sustaining now in the, in the second year uh, a very good GT4 grid. And the future, I guess, also for GT4 is a regional series and not Pan-Asian is more complicated uh, because in Asia you have to ship things around uh, so at the end of the day whatever you put on a ship uh, is, 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 is there for a couple of weeks and the, the logistic costs are maybe the same uh, even if the car and the running might be a little yeah. bit more economically uh, but, in, but a lot of other things are the same cost if you, if you move around Asia so uh, a regional thing I think uh, is, is still something and China GT shows that it can be done in marketing terms, new is good, always. You've got two new things to deal with uh, in the coming 12 months or so. The first is going to be uh, a new product, of course, the latest product from Audi Sport and Customer Racing, the LMS GT2, what a beast that looks. The second is a place to race them, which is the addition to the Blancpain GT uh, package of the sports club. Uh, so a purely gentleman-based um, uh, racing platform for effectively sprint endurance for those cars designed exactly for those cars against perhaps GT3 cars to start with but it seems clear that the ambition is that that will move to a kind of principally GT2 platform as soon as possible we've obviously seen the car um, we saw the car launched at Goodwood I was happy to be there as part of that and uh, Marshall Pruitt, my co-host um, was uh, part of the uh, festivities at uh, Laguna Seca with Tom Christensen running the car in anger for the first time there your customers had the chance to see it. What kind of interest has there been in the new beast? Well, the, I mean, the car is beautiful, and uh, everybody who has seen it on picture or some of our Asian uh, clients actually uh, went with us to Spa, where, where it was displayed. Um, everybody who saw it was like, "Whoa, that's that's mega!" Of course, uh, they, they really love the looks. The, um, uh, it's a beautiful car. In terms of having, but but we need opportunities to run it. Um, I especially I think for, for us as Audi customer racing we are producing cars that people actually run uh, put them on, on the circuit and uh, it's it's great ambition by, by SRO um, that they actually now announced already in Spa to have at least three races for the GT3 uh, sorry uh, GT2 next year in, in Asia and uh, yeah we are definitely hoping that we will see some Audis there uh, on the track um, at the moment it's, it's Porsche and us uh, sister companies um, pushing this and uh, I still hope actually that there will be more um, because uh, for, for a functioning segment uh, I think uh, we all need more Absolutely, and it's a very different car I mean we saw the Porsche, the Porsche is pretty typically Porsche um, I think one of my colleagues described Porsche looks like a kind of Gucci loafer 
and uh, your car looks like a higher Nike trainer, and that's a good thing. Different is good. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, we were all very happy ourselves when we saw the first uh, pictures of the car, or the, even the first first drawings. I mean, it was like, wow, okay, something big is coming. Um, yeah, but we have to we have to put it on the, onto the road. We have to support our customers in, in being able to put it uh, on, onto the circuit, uh, and we have to convince also the customers that it's not just a collector car or something that you put on a site somewhere that you really should should buy this one to to race it against other gentlemen and have fun on a good weekend with a sprint race, um, which is also a very fitting format for this kind of guys. If I were to ask you, if we're back here this time next year, and I hope we all are, um, what would you like to see in terms of your customers at this race? Not the, the European teams coming in with the IGTC, but your customers coming in and making a splash. You mean for, for, for the Suga 10 hours? Yeah. Yeah, I would like to see more Asian teams running high-profile entries, um, of course, in our, in our case, Audis. Uh, um, there are teams like Sun Motorsport, when Audi last year in Macau, uh, um, TZT is running, uh, both are from China, TZT is running Grand Prix Asia. So this, the likes of this uh, with Audis, uh, and I think they're increasingly looking over the border of China. So to actually come here to such a race, which is like at the moment in terms of endurance, the, the, the pinnacle in Asia, uh, would be something that I would really enjoy. Fantastic. That's what we say. Thank you. Thank you very much. Immediately following the race with two of the winning trio, Dries van Tour and uh, Frederick Vavish. That was, I have to say, pretty dominant stuff. Um, and I'm going to turn to you first, Frederick. Uh, that was an awesome stint from you, your start of the race. Uh, yeah, um, I mean, I think we mostly controlled the, the whole race. And of course, we had some, some bigger advantages, but then with safety car for Cogello, it came back. But we always had the, the pace, all three of us, which was really unique and really amazing to have such a strong car such a strong uh, driver lineup um, and yeah we didn't make mistakes that that was our biggest uh, let's say challenge um, last year I remember we had a uh, Dries I think at the end of his stint had a, a puncture so we lost uh, a potential podium I mean we would have been second probably so but here we this year we really had had the pace and um, yeah we did a very clean race the, the strategy was great um, so I think it's really really a team effort. Dries, the challenge at this kind of level in the RGTC is always with seeing the guys around us in the room here. It's an awesome uh, it's an awesome kind of lineup. Is to be quick but to make no errors and how tough is that when you're here on a track as challenging as this with drivers as challenging as these guys are and the cars as closely. Yeah, it's for sure not easy. I mean, if you, like you said, look at the driver lineups that were here, especially in this for this weekend, I think was, was very strong. Uh, not only not only the lineup, but also the brands. I think they were all quite evenly matched to, to make a nice race out of it. And if, you, like you said, it's not easy to make no mistakes. If you saw the first two hours, unfortunately, the Walkenhaus BMW was unlucky and couldn't really avoid what happened in front of him and it's it happens in, in a second uh, so it's, it's, it's for sure not easy but uh, that's part of our job unfortunately but I think we all three just did a good job uh, making sure we had good pace and, and, and stayed out of trouble and I think that's again like me and Fred will be happy enough or lucky enough to say that we also did this way in Nürburgring just making no mistakes and this is a 
a big part of, of, of having a good race, I think. There's lots of things are important. One of the things that are important is having a very happy boss. You've got one just standing over behind us at the moment uh, with uh, Chris Renke having brought in a trophy dripping with champagne. <laughs> the big results are coming. This one's particularly big because it's the first big race win for Audi Sports customer racing in Japan. Yeah, and I think for Audi Sport, if I'm not incorrect, right. right. so uh, it's really big. It's uh, again uh, we had a, we had a meeting this morning with all drivers, all six drivers. And I, I want to say something about the other team. I'm really unfortunate that they had this issue. Otherwise, they w- would have been great to celebrate together. Um, but, uh, yeah, he, he told us like that they never had a, a big victory. And I said then, uh, just as a joke, uh, okay, no pres- pressure added. But, uh, no, I'm really happy we can can be part of this. Uh, there's only one first time to win in Japan for a brand. And uh, it's great. It's really great. I think we will realize later. But... Uh, great we did i mean at the end okay it's a race like another we did our job and uh yeah it's it's really nice well you guys are employed to bring home the big results the big stories the big headlines for audi that's what it's about you've got to be pretty happy your day's work yeah it's a it's an amazing job it's a dream job um um it's always interesting to 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 compare with dries because dries is so young and i'm already older and, uh, but I'm also quite fresh in the, in the factory stuff, and um, and I'm really lucky. I, I feel really blessed that I still, I mean, still in the the motorsport and and have a a great job. And um, I'm fortunate to to drive with these young guns, uh, him, Calvin, and yeah, it's really nice. Nice words. <laughs> nice words from the old man there. It's, uh, <laughs> Greece, this does seem to be a group, and it is a group of drivers, interchangeable between the cars, that is knitting beautifully. Audi Sport have got a real depth of experience, as well as younger guys coming in like yourself. <clears throat> What's it like to be in the middle of this at the moment, with the new 2019 car, with the results coming, with programmes coming forward, the IGTC bringing you to new and exciting places, here it's uh, Suzuka next, it's course, it's Kalami and, and Kelvin's home race, must be a bit of a buzz. Yeah, of course, and I think it's not only the us three, the group, I think but, uh, there was a whole group back behind the scenes, uh, all working very hard back, back, uh, back in Germany, um, which is of course helping... To this, to this success, um, but yeah, it's going it's going well at the moment, uh, and I'm like Fred already said, uh, very happy and fortunate that I, at quite a young age, can be doing this as a job. Uh, so I think we have to be very happy that, that we can be able to, to be here, and like you said, going to Kialami, going to to all over the world actually, uh, to try to to race as hard as we can and, and battle the others and try to beat the others which at the moment worked for this time but we'll have to see for the next time how it goes there final question is to both of you both proud Belgians WRT an amazingly successful team I had the privilege of chatting to Gedudone earlier this week and this is a hell of a story for Belgian motorsport the team WRT success story yeah I think um, I had a chance to, to race for them uh, this year uh, much less but nevertheless I drove Daytona with them we had a podium uh, 24 hours so that was actually their first entry, my first entry, and was was quite quite successful. Uh, but no, they're they're definitely uh, the leading uh, Audi Audi customer uh, racing team, and um, so it's always great when you you know you can drive with them and uh, and attack here the ten hours or uh, or another race. But I think uh, Dries uh, drove more with them and, and uh, can maybe tell you 
a bit more about them. But uh, it's a Belgian institution. Yeah, well, I mean, it's like my second home, actually. And Vincent is a bit like my second dad. Um, you know, Lawrence have been driving for this team. I was here when I was... Oh, I was with WT when I was a young, younger kid. Um, watching all the people and, you know, watching Lawrence drive. And I was just quite young. Uh, so I know all of them. And I know Vincent, like I said, he's the second dad for me. And I can tell him everything. And we can have a good chat about everything. And it's just working well. And, with WT and, 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 and the Belgian I think Fred is also I think he can be very happy that we can drive for WT like Fred said I think it's one of the not, not only in, on, in customer race but also compared to the other teams I think it's just a very professional team which knows how to do the job and executes the job most of the time perfectly Well and gentlemen a great result for you for both of you for Kelvin for Audi Sport customer racing for Team WRT more pages in the history book and uh, we move on now to a new adventure in South Africa for now that's it from us